Hey everybody, this is Pastor Luke McDonald and this is the Good News in the Neighborhood podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You're gonna find two things in this feed. In this season, you're gonna find Sunday sermons from our church in Palatine, Illinois. And you're gonna find an occasional little piece of content that is towards our initiative to try to help our church read the Bible more regularly. It's called Good With Our Bibles. We're trying to read the Bible regularly and we're trying to interpret it accurately. And that's what you're gonna find in this feed. We are a multi-ethnic Bible teaching life-giving church. This is our little theme song that you're hearing in the background. And uh, it helps us, anything you do, rating the podcast, sharing it, all that stuff helps the word get out. We're not trying to build the name of a church. We're trying to build the name of Jesus in our little local community. And if you found this, I hope it's useful to you. Thank you. Let's listen now. I want to talk today about a challenging topic. As we've been kind of making our way through the fall, we've been hitting a couple of important topics at the end of this before we get to the holiday season, which is close. I know for some it's a, it's a thing, but there's Christmas trees up all over the place now, and it's just, it's happening. Uh, I want to talk to you about a challenging topic today. I want to talk to you about this. Does God still heal people? And why some people, but not others? Those are the two questions I want to try to answer today. Those are challenging questions to answer because they hit very deeply in the heart for a lot of people. Uh, I think that we know, and if you came to church today, you probably believe that God can heal people. It's one of the things that drew people to Jesus Christ, is there was people, they walked in, they couldn't see, now they could see. There was a man who was dead, now he was alive. He had this ability to change sickness into hell, but not just Jesus Christ, it's all through the Old Testament. God has a way of, in the Bible, using his ability to solve physical ailment as a way to validate that he is the real God. Right? It's like uh, there's a million different paths out there that people take to get fit. The way that you decide who's right and who's not is by when you follow the plan, does it work? There's all kinds of things out there that say, I should be your God. And the way that in the Bible, the great God that we worship today, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the way that he validates his message is he's able to rid people of their disease. Unfortunately, uh, there's a lot of people that don't experience God like that anymore. There's some people that believe that that was kind of like a cool thing back then. Now we're just supposed to kind of like sit in the pews and see nothing very much happen. Often it's because we maybe lack faith or aren't persistent enough in prayer. That's what I want to talk about today. If you have a Bible, um, I'd love it if you'd turn to James chapter 5. We're going to look at a bunch of scripture this morning, but uh, this is where we're going to anchor. Because a lot of people come up against a situation where God doesn't answer their prayers the way that they wanted him to, and that's the moment where they stop believing in him in a significant way and go a different direction. In James chapter 5, starting in verse uh, 13, I want to just read three, three, four verses to you, and then uh, I want to teach them to you. This is James. This is the brother of Jesus. This is one of the first books written in the New Testament, and this is, uh, he's coming in for a close in his letter that he wrote. James 5, and now in verse 13, and he says this. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone among you cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? There's question three. So he's trying to say, I think pretty clearly, if you find yourself in this certain situation, here's what you should do. Makes sense. If you're, if you're suffering, going through a difficult time, you should pray. If you're feeling cheerful, sing some praise. The third one is a little more complex. He says, now, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let 
Then pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. And if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. This text in the Bible promises the availability of healing. But it also gives some important, maybe like equivocations that a person needs to understand. So I have a few observations that I want to make from the text. Um, Starting here. Sometimes uh, physical symptoms are the manifesting of spiritual sickness. See, we uh, have a very kind of bifurcated, divided way of looking at authority and answers in our world. Like I was standing outside, I greeted most of the people that are in here, and not one of the people who I greeted this morning said, hey, uh, I've been having this like pain in my elbow. Do you have anything you would recommend for it, Pastor? Because that's not my expertise. Conversely, like most people, you know, after you sit at the doctor and then sit some more and then sit some more and then sit some more and then fill out those forms you've already filled out 27 times, most people don't. When the doctor finally comes in, say, hey, I've been having some conflict with my father-in-law. Would you be willing to pray for me? We see those things as separate. But in the ancient world that James is writing to in most of human history, the person with physical answers and the person with spiritual answers were often seen as the same person. Part of that, of course, is because of the primitive nature of the medicine that they had available. But it's also because ancient people often had a better understanding than we do that everything happening inside a person is completely and totally connected to everything else. Not this divided way that we tend to look at ourselves. We tend to think, I can be doing great at work and my marriage can be falling apart. My kids can be really struggling, but I can still be really physically fit. The Bible does not paint a picture of a person who is very segmented this way. The Bible paints a picture of a person, a human being created in the image of God, where it is all connected. So why am I saying this? Because look at the text that I've just read to you. When he says, it kind of comes out of left field at the very end of uh, of his writing. He says, the prayer of faith, verse 15, will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. That's what it says there in verse 15. But that's kind of a a left turn, right, to our our way of thinking. Like, wait, I thought we were talking about, uh, like, cancer or or depression or, or something that's wrong inside of me. How did we get over, why are we talking about sins being forgiven? The reason is because sometimes physical symptoms are the manifesting of spiritual sickness. Now, the key word in that sentence is the first word. I'm going to say the sentence again, and then I want you to say the first word. Sometimes physical symptoms are manifesting spiritual sickness. The key word is? Now, sometimes, I want to just make sure I define that word for you, is a word in between never and always that means some of the time. Okay? The reason why that's important is because a lot of people of faith Uh, a lot of people of faith have been taught that that means anytime you're sick, you need to like pray your way through it. You're depressed because of your sins. You're uh, you're sick because of your sins. You just kind of just need to like pray and figure it out. And that becomes very confusing because sometimes you can be like, I just, I have a headache, but I don't think it's because I'm like idolatrous. I just, maybe just my head hurts. But on the other hand, many of us were raised 
<clears throat> perhaps in a, a dynamic where we've been taught and made to think that the things happening with our body have nothing to do with what's happening in us spiritually. The Bible shows that often um, those things are connected. Let me just show you a couple verses that try to get at that. 1 Corinthians 11 uh, says this, For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is Paul speaking, and he says, This is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. Sometimes physical sickness is the manifesting of spiritual sickness. But then uh, in John chapter 9, Jesus is speaking, and this is an amazing story. He's walking along, and Jesus sees this guy born blind. And his disciples say, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, that's like the ultimate church person. Can I just get a witness from anybody? That they see a guy who can't see, and they're like, is, can he not see because his dad went bankrupt or because he was looking at some nasty stuff on the computer? Why is it that he can't see? That's what the, the church dude says. And Jesus says, well, no, it wasn't, it wasn't this guy, actually, or his parents. The reason that he was born blind was that the works of God might be displayed in him. So, simply, uh, when we find ourselves in a difficult, ongoing, physical calamity, we have to have the wisdom to investigate whether it's because of ongoing sin in our life that God wants us to deal with, and also the trust in God to say sometimes that isn't the reason at all. I read this this week. This was helpful to me. There may be times when God asks us to rely on prayer alone for healing, but this is the exception, not the rule. The refusal to use medical means to promote healing may be a gesture of faith. More often, it's a gesture of spiritual pride. Sometimes physical symptoms are manifesting spiritual sickness. Second observation I want to make from this text is from the, first, uh, the second verse, verse 14, where it says, Let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So, remember, he just starts here. He says, Now, is anybody among you sick? When he's saying they're sick, and every time I'm talking in this message, that can be encapsulating a person who is physically sick, someone who is struggling in their mental, emotional health, and everywhere in between where those two things collide, it can mean all of that. He's saying, if you're sick, what you should do is get to the church, get to the leaders of the church, ask them to pray with faith, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. It's interesting because most people don't think of it this way. Second, he says that established authority is the gateway to healing. Many of us have been conditioned to see our lives as so separate from uh, any authority. We kind of live in the generation and the time, the don't tread on me, don't tell me what to do, I'm going to do my own thing my own way, that kind of vibe, which is fine in a lot of ways, and I'm uh, certainly one of those people. But it does rob us sometimes of what is available to us when we willingly put ourselves under the authority of others. The solution that the Bible brings to a person who is sick is get with some people who you are willing to place as spiritual authority in your life and ask them to pray with faith that the thing might change. And I wonder how many people have been struggling with something for a long time, but have yet to take the step that God obviously puts clearly in his word in front of us as the first step to take. James is kind of, in the last chapter, he said, you ask and you don't receive because you ask wrongly to spend on your passions. So he's making a, 
a case in his whole letter that there are some things worth praying about and some things that aren't? Did you ever, like, when you were young, pray one of those, like, Lord, I didn't study for this test, and now that I'm sitting here about to take it, I'm sure it's going to be a disaster. But, Lord, I promise, if you just get me through this one time, help me to find the right answers on the multiple chest. Lord, if you just get me through this one time, I promise you I will, do, I will study for the next one. Anyone ever throw up one of those Hail Marys somewhere along the way? Yeah, okay, I know, a lot of nodding, especially at the second service. They were all like that. That's why they're late, you know. Uh, so you're saying sometimes it's the wrong thing to pray about, Right? Sometimes, and he's saying, if you're sick, the step to take is to get with some people and ask them to pray in faith. Ask them to pray in faith. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that before we leave today. But I wonder how many people are suffering yet aren't willing to take the steps that God offers to relieve the suffering. A three, you see this all over in the Bible, physical healing creates belief for internal healing. So God's purpose in healing what is wrong with people physically is to give authority so that people believe their sins can be forgiven. We are obsessively concerned about the external. That is not, generally speaking, God's primary concern. God is after what is happening in our hearts. I want to take you back. I want to tell you a story, a Jesus uh, story. This is in Mark chapter 2. It's one of my favorites. Jesus is teaching in this little house, and uh, you've probably heard this one, and uh, it's crowded. And so it's so crowded that it isn't like here, you know, where we have like a door right by the stage, and if people want to wander in, they can just wander in, and we all just look. It's all good. There, they couldn't, there was no way to get into where Jesus was teaching. And so these guys, uh, their friend was sick. He was crippled. So what they did was, that, you know, anyone know this one? They took the kind of like they opened up the roof and they lowered the guy down and then Jesus saw the guy and he healed him. But what happens is interesting. First, Jesus sees their faith and so these four guys, they lower their friend down in front of Jesus. He's crippled. And Jesus says, dude, amazing. I'm so glad that you're here. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus' first instinct is not to say get up and walk. He's after the biggest problem of all, which is the problem of sin and our eternal life. And so Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Then all the people in the room, it's kind of like a, a bad vibe. That happens to me every once in a while if I say a joke that like, feels a little too much for people or whatever. There's that kind of like rumble of lack of support around the room. And <laughs> Jesus is kind of looking around. And then he says in Mark chapter 2 and verse 9, Jesus says, wait a second, guys. What's easier to say to the paralytic? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven? Or is it easier to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? Do you see what he's doing? He's saying, you think healing is impressive? Healing is nothing compared to forgiving someone's sins. That's what he says in Mark 2. He says, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. So Jesus heals the guy so that everyone can know not only can he heal what's outside, he can heal what's inside. And we are... Uh, conditioned, this is, um, we're conditioned, and I, I want to be gracious in the way that I say this, but we're conditioned towards evaluating life based on the outcomes that we get. Like uh, this afternoon, I have a playoff football game across the street that I'm coaching, and the rest of the day is going to be standing around excited because we made the Super Bowl or trying to like 
calm the kid who's crying down because all of his dreams have been dashed and life will never be the same again because it's over. And that's the way we for sure think when we're young. But even as we get older, we tend to see things through the prism of did we get what we want? And the problem with that is that the most significant thing about you and I is not whether we got the car or the house or the career or the vacation house or the 401k or the most polite kids or any of these external things. The most significant thing that God cares about in you and me is has this person had their sins forgiven by Jesus Christ on the cross and found eternal life no matter what happens in their life from here? And so what I'm trying to say is that God uses physical healing to create space for people to believe that their sins can be forgiven. This is what he's getting at when he says, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. He's not just saying that the prayer of faith has the opportunity to heal the person that is sick. He's saying the person that is willing to come to God and say, God, you're like the only hope I got, You're the only trust I got. You're the only plan I have. I open my hands to you and say, Lord, can you please do what no one else can do? That that is revealing of a person who has faith that no matter what happens in the temporary outcome of this life, that person has saving faith. Observation number four. The strong faith of others contributes to healing. The crucial and indispensable factor of faith that makes healing possible is not just that of the patient, but also of the people around them. This is in that story I was just telling you from Mark chapter 2, where, uh, so these guys, like I said, they lowered their friend through the roof, and it says that when Jesus saw, see the next word? It says that when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. You can find this in all kinds of studies that have been done at hospitals by doctors, and you can find it anecdotally all over the place, that there is some way in which the faith of other people around us has a way of lifting us up. It, he, Jesus doesn't see faith in the guy who's paralyzed. Jesus sees faith in the people who got him in front of Jesus, and that faith is the faith that provided the avenue for healing. <clears throat> the reason is that uh, sometimes we have to borrow each other's faith. That's it. So I saw, hello. Uh, this dear young girl who was sitting in the front row, I was her youth pastor how many years ago? 17 years ago. Uh, and it's the first time I've seen her in at least 10 years was when she wandered in while I was already preaching. So if on the tape it looked like I lost for a second, I'm so thrilled to see you. And I, you don't need to apologize. I'm thrilled that you're here. But here's what I wanted to say uh, is this. Seeing others' faith, sometimes we have to borrow from each other's faith, right? And seeing you, I know a lot about where you came from, I know a lot about the challenges that you've overcome in your life, and seeing you walk into this church on a Sunday morning builds my faith, builds my faith, builds my faith. Because a lot of times, when we're, I don't know if you... If you took one of those cards, I'll just tell you, a lot of times in kids' ministry, you're planting seeds and hoping, even though it doesn't seem like they're listening, that they're listening. So much of being a parent is like, I don't know. I mean, it feels like today we totally are failing, up, down, back, and forth. And sometimes we have to borrow, we have to borrow from each other's faith. And when we come to God in prayer, a lot of times what we're doing 
is, it's just a funny little thing. If you notice, it's way easier to have faith for other people's problems than it is for our own. It's way easier to have faith for other people. Oh, no, you two will work it out. You'll figure it out. Let's just pray. When you're both like, I mean, I don't know. I was thinking about stabbing him in the car on the way over here. Like, I... And sometimes we need to be able to borrow on each other's faith. Say, no, 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 my God can. And my God will. And he's brought us through worse. And we can go forward from here. And some part, and I'm not telling you I understand the equation. There is a part of what God does that is from the faith of other people. This is why uh, if all you do at church is come in, sit down, and leave, you're missing out on the very best part. The very best part is the faith that you can gain from the people that you can meet in a church like this or any good God, Christ-believing, honoring church. Fifth observation, and then I want to bring us to the finish. This is the hardest, most challenging one. Because everything that I've said up until now is compellingly answering the question, does God still heal? And the answer to that is yes. I can answer that to you from the Bible. I can answer that uh, to you from my experience. I've seen God miraculously heal people. I could tell you stories all day long, and you probably have heard them and maybe have some of your own. But the hardest question isn't, does God still heal? That one is, is good. The hardest question is, right, but why some people and not other people? Right, but, but why some people and not other people? Right, right, but, but why her and not him? I think because it'll just help us... Uh, could anybody say in the room today, I can think of a person in my life that I prayed for and prayed for, and it never really got better? Just be honest, who could say that? That is a challenging thing to try to figure out. It's just challenging. And uh, it goes two different ways. I've told you this story before, but I'll tell it again quickly because it hits. Uh, some years ago, Kristen and I moved into a little cul-de-sac, and we were getting to know our neighbors. And uh, we met this lovely family. They lived right across the, right across the cul-de-sac from us three, four kids, and uh, one of them was this like beautiful elementary age young daughter who was running around and she only had one arm. Like from the shoulder here, there was nothing. And our kids were at the age where we had to do the thing where we had to be like, okay, right, so we're not gonna look at it. And we're not gonna talk about it. Okay, what are we not gonna do? You know, that thing we have to like coach them up not to do something really. And we got to know this family a little bit and uh, we were chatting and kind of got to that point in the conversation. The guy asked me what I do. I'm a pastor. What do you do? This kind of thing. And he looks at me like, like, like it was yesterday. And he was like, don't think that you're going to be getting me to go to any church that you're part of. I was like, thank you for being clear. Okay. Just tell me. He said, I was part of a church and uh, they told me that if I had more faith, my daughter's arm would have been amputated. So that's one way of handling why does God heal some people and not others, is to hand the broken part back to the person. Like, well, no, God would have. It's just it's your fault. You didn't, you didn't say the right words. You didn't say the right words in the right order. You didn't give a big enough offering. You didn't try hard enough. You, you kissed your boyfriend when you shouldn't have when you were in college. Whatever, like, the thing was, you did something stupid, so God isn't going to give you his blessing. That's one way of handling it. The other way of handling it, I talked about before, is this, like, yeah, we do serve a God who can do miracles, but like not really anymore that a lot of kind of dead type churches have. And I want to try my best to tell you the truth this morning. And this is not easy truth, but it is this. Uh, God receives great glory when we worship him, even when healing is delayed until heaven. That's the reason why God heals some people and not others. And I'm not, uh, 
I promise, you guys are good just for a second. I promise I'm, uh, I'm not trying to tell you that that's an answer that you're like, oh, well, yeah, okay, cool, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a very difficult answer to accept. Just leave that line up there for just a second. The reason why God heals some people and not other people is because God receives great glory when we worship him, even when healing is delayed until heaven. A couple things about that. One, because we don't have firsthand knowledge of the unseen eternal realm. We view it like we believe in it, but it doesn't feel real to us. What is true is that when a person is not healed in this life, they have eternal life in Jesus if they believe in Jesus, where they have a perfect, unharmed body to live for 10,000 times, 10,000 times, 10,000 years on the other side. It's perfect. And honestly, God, because God's purpose in our life when we're here in this planet, God's purpose is not our comfort. God's purpose is his glory. God's purpose is not us having a comfortable pillow and a beautiful bed and an easy path and always getting what we want. God's purpose is for more people to see and realize that Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. And in just honest truth, more glory tends to go to God when people who believe in him don't get the healing they pray for and keep on believing him. The miracle story is cool, it's awesome. And I believe it, and we're going to pray for it in just a minute, and it's amazing. And when it happens, it brings glory to God. But honestly, the thing that brings even greater glory to God is people who say, I prayed, and I did everything I needed to do, and I didn't get what I want, and I still believe and trust in him anyway. That's the thing that when the world sees it, that's pretty hard to like, kind of be like, not into. And I saw something in the text that I thought was really cool. Uh, that verse there, it says uh, that the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up and the Lord will raise him up. And that word there that's translated in our uh, English Bible, raise up, has this really beautiful thing to it. It means to be raised up and it's in the present and also the future tense at the same time. Uh, so like, what does it mean to be in the present and the future tense? It means that it's true now and it is gonna be true in the future. So when you tell your spouse, I love you, you're not saying like, I love you at 10 o'clock in the morning on Sunday, but check back with me at 10.07. There is an implied promise, right? Of it's true now, and it's gonna keep on being true in the future. And when he says the Lord will raise him up, in that verse in the book of James, it is the idea that we are guaranteed if we pray in faith in Jesus, the healing is guaranteed. The thing we don't know is whether we're going to see it in this life or whether we wait until heaven. This is what Paul's getting at in Philippians 3 when he says that our citizenship is in heaven and then he's getting to say this. We're waiting for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at this. He will transfer our lowly body to be like his glorious body. So Jesus' body... Flawless and perfect. Jesus, like, fit, no need for Botox, like, totally vibing all the time. No sickness overcomes him. 
that when we meet Jesus face to face, that will be true for us too. And this is why it's such a crazy promise in Revelation 21 when it says what it's going to be like when we meet Jesus face to face. It says that he will wipe every tear from our eye and death shall be no more. And there shall be no mourning. Well, why is there no mourning? Well, there's nothing to mourn about. There's nothing to have. There's nothing to be bummed out about. There's nothing to cry about. There's no funeral. There's no need because when we're in heaven, it's all just the good stuff with him forever. That's why there's no crying if you're one of those people that like when you're happy during worship or like watching This Is Us or whatever, you start crying. I don't know if that crying goes away or I don't know what, like that part. It just says there's no crying, so I don't know. And there's no pain anymore because the former things have passed away. So what we're trying to get to um, in closing, what we're trying to get to is this. If you are suffering with a physical sickness uh, or some emotional those things all overlap in all kinds of ways. We talk about that a lot. If you're suffering, I want to invite you uh, to let us and some of the leaders of the church pray for you today before you leave. And the reason that we want to do that is because when we obey God, we honor God. It's what he said to do, so I'm going to do it. I feel kind of awkward, I don't know, like whatever. Okay. Uh, and what we're believing is on the one hand, God does want to do miraculous things on the one hand that we don't worship a God who used to be something. We worship a God who is working right now in the same level of authority and intensity as he was the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And we want to have a mature enough faith that sometimes our prayers aren't going to be answered the way that we want. And there is such sturdiness in being able to say, I have enough faith to believe and enough trust to accept that it might not be the timing I want or it might take a long time and so uh, I want to just invite you maybe you could just bow your head for a minute I want to just try our best to keep it quiet is there anybody uh, I just want to be real clear about what's going to happen we're going to pray over you uh, while the team sings. We're not going to ask you to say out loud exactly some specific thing if you don't want to. No one's going to make you speak into a microphone. But we do want to minister to you in the way that Scripture calls for. Is there anyone who would say, I need to be prayed for? If that's you, I just want to invite you as calmly as you would be willing to just slip up out of your seat and come stand right here in front of me at the front. We're going to pray for every person before we go. Yeah, anyone else? We're all praying. We're borrowing each other's faith, God. We believe and we believe and we believe and we believe and we trust you. Mm -hmm. This has been the Good News Neighborhood Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the song. I hope it's been helpful to you. We'll see you again soon. This is Good News.